Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Well, in the words of Charles Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Um, It was 2012, almost 10 years ago now. I'm about 34 years of age, married, two kids and a third child on the way. And I went through the most difficult season of my life. Um, I'd been in ministry four years and and I was working way too hard, out too many nights, not taking days off, and I was running myself ragged. And the reason in hindsight, and here's the important piece, is that I was acting like everything revolved on me. Everything was dependent upon me. I was perfectionist, people-pleasing. It was a time in the church where we had some difficult leadership things to do. There was so much going on and I was simply trying to hold it all together because I thought everything depended upon me. And then one day I just simply ran out of energy. I remember preaching on a Sunday morning, going home, sitting on the couch, just exhausted. I prepared the next message, then I preached against next Sunday, exhausted. I went to the doctor. He said I had a virus and I was worn down and then I had tingling in my face. So I went to the doctor for that and he said that could be the sign of something more serious. I'm going to send you to a neurologist. The neurologist did tests on me and he said, you're struggling simply with anxiety. And I went, oh, is that all? And I went on about day to day, again, super tired but thinking to myself, it will be okay. But then I had these thoughts from the enemy that he put in my mind, which were horrible, which freaked me out. And then I had all these thinking, this thinking about what if I was catastrophizing. Ended up going to a psychologist who was wonderful and helped me through stuff around people-pleasing, perfectionism, why I was feeling the way I was. But in that season, I also pursued God. And I cried out for him to help. God, help me. God, heal me. And I want to tell you that God did heal me, but not in the way I was hoping for. I wanted to touch the edge of his cloak like the woman with bleeding in Mark 5, and she was instantly healed. But that was not what I got, which was actually better because the healing I had in that time was an unwinding of my thinking around thinking around perfectionism, thinking around people-pleasing, and the big thought around how I thought everything was dependent upon me. Now, I shared it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Man, it was the worst of times because I didn't have energy. I'd never experienced anything like this before in my life. And I was thinking to myself, what's going on with me? Why aren't I the same? And I put all good things in place. And I eventually came out of it. And that's the best of times. It was the worst of times because of what I went through, but it was the best of times because of how I came out of it with renewed thinking, recognizing that church and ministry doesn't depend on me. Rather, it actually depends on God. It's actually His church. It's, it's His plan for humanity. It's His purpose that He's seeing fulfilled. And He simply invites me to play my part in what He's doing. So it's not actually dependent upon me, It's dependent upon him. 
And so it was the best of times because I rethought, I, re- I, 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 I started to see things differently and I aligned myself and my thinking with what God wanted. And some 10 years later, I look back at that horrible time, but I'm thankful for it because I'm changed. I'm a changed person because of the work that God has done in my life. I wonder if you can relate to my story. Maybe you've been through or you are in a situation where, where you think things are out of control like I did in that season of my life where things were not going the way I planned. And maybe like me, you're just trying to hold it all together. You, you're thinking it depends upon you and you're doing this and you're doing that in order to hold life all together. Maybe it's to do with a marriage bust up. You're going through a season where there's a relationship bust up. Or maybe you've been to the doctor and the doctor said there is a, there's something going on in your body and, and, there, and, and there isn't an answer, there isn't a cure. Or maybe you're in financial debt, financial struggle and you can't see a way out. Maybe you've been through the loss of a loved one or your kids are in trouble, they're doing stuff and it's not great and you're just trying to hold on tight and you're trying to do all that you can to try and rescue the situation, to sort it out, and you're acting like everything depends upon you. Well, the message I have for you today, friends, is it actually doesn't depend on us and we can't hold it all together. God is the one who is the sustainer of all things. God is the one who holds it all together. And because He is that, we can put our trust, we can put our faith, we can put our rest in Him knowing that He's the one who loves us. He's the one who cares for us. He's the one who provides for us. He's the one we can lean on. And as we do that, we can trust Him with our lives and we can live at peace rather than fear. Rather than allowing fear to drive us in order for us to try and hold it all together, everything depends on us. I've got to keep working and keep striving to try and make it work. That's living in fear. But it's as we sit back and as we recognize who God is and what he's done, we can be at peace. Not that everything's the way we want it, but knowing that we have a God who's holding us, a God who's sustaining us, a God who's fulfilling his plan and his purpose across this earth, a God who we can put our faith and trust in. I want to demonstrate this today by um, talking around two chairs I have uh, two chairs here. And the uh, reason I have these chairs is because they demonstrate this beautifully. Now, here's a chair with four legs, and I don't know about you, but when you um, go to sit on a chair, you are generally don't think to yourself, is this chair going to hold me up? Do I need to balance myself, put my legs out, and hold on tight so I don't fall off? No, we don't do that with the chair. We simply sit back and we allow that chair to have all our weight and relax because we know the chair has got us. And this is a beautiful picture of how God wants us to live this life, where God is like the chair, where we don't have to hold on tight and balance it, but we can sit back and relax knowing that God is holding us, God is carrying us. But the reality is most of us don't live that way. I have... A saw here, and I have this other chair, and many of us live lives like we cut the leg off the chair, 
we put the chair back, and then we sit on it. And because it's got three legs, we can't sit back and relax because we're going to fall off it. We need to hold on tight, and we need to put our legs down, and we need to balance. And for many of us, God's like the chair. He's like, we have some trust in Him. He's got three legs, but it's not enough. It's not enough just to trust God. I need to fight. I need to strive. I need to hold on tight. And I need to try and hold my life together. And this is, how, this is not how God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live like this. He wants us to live like this. Sitting back in peace. Living a life where we're trusting God. So, here is the question I have for you. Which chair are you sitting on? Are you sitting on the chair with the four legs where, you're, where you are sitting in God's peace, knowing that he's holding you, knowing that he's carrying you? Or are you sitting on the chair with the three legs and you're trying to control life and de- where everything depends on you and you're trying to control it? Are you living in fear or are you living in trust? God wants us to live a life where we're trusting him on that chair with four legs. Living a life where he's carrying us. Living a life of peace where we're not driven by fear, but we're driven by his love for his perfect love drives out fear. And when we know him and we know his love, we can see it and relax. So how do we move from this chair to this chair? How do we move from this chair to this chair? Well, I, I want to take you to a scripture this morning, today from uh, Luke chapter 8. And in Luke chapter 8, it gives us one of the key principles and one of the key, um, key clues in how we can move from this chair, from that chair with three legs, to this chair with four legs. It's a story where Jesus has been teaching and healing and driving out demons. And he decides with the disciples to leave this side of the lake one side, and go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And as they go, Jesus has been busy and teaching, and he has a sleep in the boat. And as they travel across, a massive storm comes up, and the waves come up, and the boats begin to sink. The boat begins to sink. Let's have a look at this text together in Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they failed, as they sailed, Jesus fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Notice, great danger. The disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they ask one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. Now, the Sea of Galilee has a circumference that's around the outside of over 50 kilometers. And I read that it's 20 kilometers across one way, 13 kilometers across the other. And we're told that the disciples got in the boat and started to head out, and they're in deep water on the other side, heading to the other side of the lake. Jesus had fallen asleep, so they were a fair way out when this storm came up. And notice that it says in the scripture that the, the storm was so severe and the waves came over the boat that, that the disciples recognized they were in great danger. 
Now, these people weren't just a bunch of pastors and they got a bit afraid of some waves or some wind. Three of these guys who were the disciples were commercial fishermen. And they fished on this sea as for their income for many years. And so these disciples who were, who were the commercial fishermen as well as everyone else were in the same place where they're thinking to themselves, we're in all sorts of trouble. And so they go to Jesus and wake him up. And at that, Jesus calms the storm, speaks to the wind, speaks to the waves, and everything, and everything goes calm. And then in this story, we have two questions. The first question is asked by Jesus, and he says to his disciples, where is your faith? And the second question, the disciples asked, who is this? And as we look at these two questions, it helps us understand how do we move from the chair with three legs to the chair with four legs? How do we, how do we move from trying to hold on, trying to control stuff, doing everything in our own strength, to moving to a place where we can trust God with our lives and we can live in peace and not in fear? This, this gives us a great clue. So I, I want to look at each question. The first one is this. Jesus asked the question, where is your faith? After he has calmed the storm, Everything's become calm. He says to his disciples, where is your faith? And when he says that to his disciples, he's saying, is, he's saying the way you're acting here in your fear is not how I want you to act. Because what I want you to do is actually put your faith, have your faith in me. Now for Jesus, faith was a massive deal. Jesus continually celebrates people of faith. In Luke chapter 7, we have the sinful woman. And Jesus celebrates her faith, and it's because of her faith that she's forgiven. In Mark 5, we have the woman who's with bleeding, who touches the, edges, the edge of his cloak in the crowd. Jesus celebrates her faith. In Luke chapter 17, when we have the 10 men with leprosy, he celebrates their faith. In Mark chapter 10, with blind Bartimaeus, who puts his faith in Jesus and is healed, Jesus celebrates his faith. In Luke chapter 7, where we have the centurion whose servant is sick, and Jesus says, I'll go and see him. And the centurion says, no, you don't need to come to my house. Just say the word and it will be healed. And Jesus responds to the centurion and to the crowds, I haven't seen anyone in Israel with such great faith. Jesus regularly celebrates faith. Jesus loves it when we, when we put our faith in him. And here in the scripture from Luke chapter 8, his disciples were not acting in faith. They were acting in fear. And Jesus says to them, so where is your faith? Which leads me to the question, so what faith did the disciples have? Now, one good thing they did was when they worked out they were in trouble, they went to Jesus and woke him up. That's a great principle for us, isn't it, in life? When we get ourselves in trouble, run to Jesus. But by waking him up, what did they expect him to do? They knew Jesus could teach, and if someone wanted information about God, they could take those people to Jesus. They knew that Jesus could heal. They've seen that through his ministry. They knew Jesus could drive out demons. They've seen that in his ministry. But they had no expectation that Jesus could deal with the storm. They had no expectation of that. And we know that because of the second question. Because the disciples asked, who is this? Look what it says in verse 25. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. They had no expectation that Jesus had the ability to do that. They had faith for healing. They had faith 
for teaching about God. They had faith for driving out demons, but they didn't have faith for this miracle of stopping the wind and the waves and making everything calm. Why didn't they have faith for it? Because they didn't know he could do it. They didn't know the fullness of who Jesus was and what he could do, which leads us to the most important thought for today, and it's here. The more you know him, the more you trust him. One more time. The more you know him, the more you trust him. If someone wanted healing, those disciples would have said, hey, come to Jesus. He can heal you. Someone's got a demon. Hey, come to Jesus. He can set you free. But they didn't know he had the ability, the capacity to deal with the storm so they didn't bring him to Jesus. They didn't know who he was in his fullness. And so they didn't put their faith in him because if they did, they wouldn't have been afraid in that boat. They wouldn't, hey, Jesus, the storm's come up. Can you deal with it, please? And he would have dealt with it by, as they put their faith and their trust in him. You know, when we talk about when you know him and when we talk about people knowing God, most people know about God like they know about a celebrity. I watched a movie just recently called Gemini with Will Smith in it. He's a really, he's a really cool actor. And I know he's got a son and I know a little bit about him, but I don't know him personally. And most of us know about actors from a distance. We see their social media pages maybe or we hear what the magazines write about them and we might know about their family, we might know a few things. But we don't know him personally. And that can be the same as the way people know about God. They might see what God has made. They might even read about God in, in, in the Bible and they might hear stories about what God has done, but they may not know him personally. And the personal relationship with God is the relationship that God wants us to have with him, a personal, intimate relationship where we know him. You know, one of the, the pictures God gives of the relationship we're to have with God is the, is the marriage relationship. You know, in a, in a healthy marriage, partners know each other intimately. They know their passions, their desires, their goals. They know where they're headed. They know lots about them. And it's the same with God. God wants us to know lots about him, the way that he thinks, the way that he acts, what, what he's passionate about. For God knows those things about us, and he wants us to know those things about him. It's a relationship that's supposed to be personal and deep and, and, and super connected. And as, you, and, and as you get to know God in this way, this, this, this personal, close relationship with God, you then see him as the creator. You then see him as the, the, the sustainer of all things, the one who holds it all together. You then see him as the one who loves you and values you and chosen you and forgiven you. And as you see God more fully in who he is, you can then trust him more. And the more you trust him, the less fear you have and the more peace that you have in your life. And when we talk about this knowing, knowing God is sustainer, knowing God is creator, knowing God loves us and is for me and protecting me and providing for me, it's not just a head knowledge where I know it's true. It's a heart knowledge, which is around conviction, which I know it, which I know it, which I know it so much that it then affects the way that I live. That I don't need to hold on tight and try and control it and hold it all together because I know he's the one who holds it together. I don't need to freak out when we're in financial strife 
because I know that God is the one who's going to provide for me. It's as we know deep in our hearts who he is, we can then trust him and put our faith in him with our lives. And let me tell you, this, this uh, trust and this faith in God takes time to develop. As you start out as a Christian, you're just finding out about God and your trust in him is, is this much. But as you grow deeper in your relationship with him and you get to know him more, your trust expands and expands. And the, and the longer you're in the Lord and the deeper you grow, the greater trust, the greater peace, the, may you, the, the more you can relax in him. I've been married for uh, 17 years. And throughout these 17 years, my relationship with Michelle has continued to grow. On our first date, I took her to a seafood restaurant. And it turned out she doesn't like seafood. So we don't do that anymore unless they have chicken snitzel on the menu. And then it's okay to go there. Not that we go to restaurants very much. But I'm much, much more aware of what she likes. And as we've gotten to know each other year after year, we've, we've uh, got deeper and we've got closer. And trust has been built because we're getting to know each other more. Just recently, um, when I say in the last few months, I've, we, we had this, I had this moment in our marriage, which was huge. And it was this. And as I say it, it sounds pretty crazy. And you, you're going to laugh when I say this. But, I, but I, recently I worked out that Michelle's not the same as me. That Michelle is different to me. Now, you might think that's crazy. And I obviously know that in some ways. She's, she's different to me in lots of different ways. But there's some areas where I thought she was just the same as me around her capacity, what she could do and how much she could get done, and also around the way she deals with difficult, difficult situations. I thought she was just like me, and, and, the, and, and, and the reason I worked that out is because we were having a conversation. We were sharing, we were, we were reflecting, we were talking, and as we spent time together, I found out this thing about her, and because I understand that now, I now treat her differently. And I don't expect things that I once expected because her capacity is different. I don't expect her to handle difficult things like I handle things because she's different to me. And that's happened as, as I've built a deeper relationship with Michelle. And friends, it's the same with God. As we build a deeper relationship with him, we move from the chair with three legs to the chair with four legs, where we can sit in peace, relaxed, knowing that God He's holding it all together for us. So really practically, here's, here's some things I want to share with you. How do we get to know him? We talked about the more you know him, the more you trust him. Well, here are some practical things for you to get to know him. And the first one is the most obvious one. And if you've been in church for some time, you will know this. And you've heard the pastor talk about it before, but I want you to hear it afresh. Put on new ears to hear this afresh because this is so important. If you want to know him, we need to be in his word, the Bible. God's word is his message to us. It's his story to us. And as we open his word, we see how he acts. We see how he thinks. We see his plan. We see his emotions. We see his passions. We see his desires. It's as we read his word, we see who he is. We need to be people in his word if we're going to know him. The second thing I want to point out to you is around prayer. 
God wants us to talk to Him. And as we speak to Him, the Scripture says that He also speaks to us. In John 10, Jesus says, My sheep know my voice. And it's as we pray and as we share our deepest thoughts and our deepest feelings and our concerns, God meets us in that place. He speaks back to us. He gives us promptings in our spirit. As we read His Word, verses pop out at us as as these are God's Word for us today. He gives us visions. He gives us dreams. He drops thoughts and messages into our minds and our hearts. Direction from Him. And as He does that, we get to know Him. Another one is around His presence. That when we sit with Him, He comes by His Spirit and touches us. I don't know if you experienced it. I experienced this mostly in worship music. When I'm worshiping Him and the Scripture says, draw near to Him and God will draw near to you. And it's in that moment of worship when you draw near to Him, you sense the Holy Spirit's presence on your life. And... The best way to describe it for me is just there's this peace that comes upon you. Like it says in Philippians 4, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. And it's a feeling of peace that comes over you. God's presence, and once you've experienced it, you know it. You know His touch, and His touch is so beautiful and so precious. We also find out about God as we hear the stories of others. As we hang out with other believers and they share the testimonies of what God has done in their life. Hence, it's so important that we're in community. It's so important that, we, that we're not doing Christianity on our own like a little island, but rather we are in with other Christians and not just um, hanging out with them, but talking about our Christian faith and what God is doing in our lives. Because when we hear what God is doing in another believer's life, it brings encouragement to us because if God can do it for them, He can also do it for me. It gives us a greater faith and trust in God. And the last one I want to share with you, how do we get to know Him more? How do we get to know Him? It's through your own story. As you look back over your life and you see God's provision, God's healing, God's deliverance, God setting you free, God changing mindsets, God taking me through for me the year 2012 when it was so difficult and he got me to rethink and change my attitude, recognizing it didn't all depend on me. I didn't have to hold it all together. But it's he who holds it all together. And it's through those stories of life that we can look back and we can see who he is because of what he's done. And that gives us a greater glimpse of who he is and we get to know him better. Five things for you today. Be in the Word. Be people of prayer. Get in His presence. Hear the story of others. And look back over your story. See who God is. See Him as creator, as sustainer, the one who loves you, who's forgiven you, who's chosen you, who cares so much about you. And as you do that, you can trust Him. So going back, I started by sharing my story and then I talked about these chairs. And as we sit on these chairs, we can sit on these chairs, this one with all four legs, or we can sit on the one with three legs. The one with three legs, we've got to hold on tight and we've got to put our legs down strong so we don't fall off. And so many people go about life like this where we are freaking out and, 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 we, and we're going through fear and we see all that's going on in our lives and we think, I've got to hold it together. I've, 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 I've got to do all these things. And it's based around fear and it's not based around trust where God doesn't want us to live this way. Rather, He wants us to live on this seat where we're sitting back and we can relax 
and we can live a life of trust and faith knowing that God holds it all together. We don't need to hold on tight and try and control it and try and make it all happen. We can sit back knowing that God is the one who is holding us, that God is the one who is in control. And we move from this seat to this seat by getting to know him, which is our thought on the screen. Here it is here. The more you know him, the more you trust him. The more you know him, the more you trust him. The more you know that he loves you, he's for you, that he's forgiven you, that he's your provider, that he's your, protect, he's your protector, that your days are written um, in his book. The more you know that he's holding you, the more that you can trust him. So the final question for today is this. final question that I want you to reflect on so that you can move from this three-legged chair to the four-legged chair, it's this. What is one thing you can do to know him better? I talked about those five things, being in the word, prayer, presence. I talked about the stories of others and your own stories. What's one thing you can do? Maybe you've heard today or something that God's already put on your heart that you know you need to do. What's one thing that you can do to know him better? I want you to take 30 seconds. I want you to pray. And I want you to ask God, God, what's one thing I can do to know you better? Take that time and pray now. Father, we thank you that you reveal yourself to us. God, you reveal yourself most beautifully through Jesus. For as we look at Jesus, we see God, God in flesh. We thank you for your word that teaches us who you are. We thank you that as we pray, we speak to you, but you also speak to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit where we can feel your presence. We thank you for what you do in the lives of others that, build, that give hope to us and for what you've done throughout our history, we can look back and see your provision, your help, your freedom, your healing, your provision, who you are. And because of those things, because of who you are, God, we can trust you. Help us to live lives where we trust you, where we don't try and hold it all together and try and control and try and race around trying to control everything to make it okay, but rather we would live a life of faith and trust in you, knowing that you are the sustainer of all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, as you've heard this message, the first step in coming to know him is by committing your life to him. And if you heard this message and you've heard what I've shared and you have not yet committed your life to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. I want you to pray and bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And as you pray this prayer, it's a prayer to become a Christian. God will hear it if you pray from your heart. And it'll be the first step in your journey of living a life of trust in Him. I encourage you to pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that He died for me and rose from the dead. I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, you've become a Christian. And that is your first step in coming to know God. And we want to help you in that journey of living a life, of getting to know Him deeper and deeper so that you can live a life of faith and trust, knowing that He is the sustainer of all things. Let me encourage you to click on the prayer tab below. Some will pray with you and help you take the next step in your journey of living a life that honors God, a life of knowing Him and a life of trusting Him. Thanks for being part of it. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.